Time Podcast, the ministry of Faith Baptist Church. It's a daily podcast Monday through Friday on our daily walk with Christ, hosted by Stephen and Andy Bitsko, myself. Today we're going to be using our Bibles as well as the 365 Days of Spurgeon devotional. If you don't have a Bible readily available, you can download the Logos Bible software at logos.com. You can also download the 365 Days of Spurgeon devotional at logos.com. However, it does cost money, and we have the slides on the screen as well as the notes and the podcast notes. There he is, Charles Spurgeon on the slide, and today's uh, May 4th. Uh, the title of the message is Divine Sovereignty, Divine Sovereignty. And the first reading for today is going to be the book of Luke in chapter number 19, verses 11 through 18. 11 through. Feel free to pause the podcast. In Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27, we see, And as they heard these things, he added and spake parables, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, come, or said unto them, occupy till I come. Citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin, for I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, thou takest up what thou layest not down, and reapest thou what thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest I was an austere man, taking up what I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For, he, for I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring thither and slay them before me. So the message for today, divine sovereignty, it's an excerpt of the sermon that he delivered on May 4th, 1856 at New Park Street Chapel in Southwark, and this is going to be the excerpt. There is no attribute of God more comforting to his children than the doctrine of divine sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe troubles, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which the children of God should more earnestly contend than the domain of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God, and his right to sit upon that throne. On the other hand, there is no doctrine more hated by unbelievers, no truth which they have kicked about so much as the great Stipulous, but yet most certain doctrine of the sovereignty of the infinite Jehovah. 
Men will allow God to be everywhere except on his throne. They will allow him to be in, a, in his workshop to fashion worlds and to make stars. They will allow him to be in his treasure to dispense his alms and bestow his bounties. They will allow him to sustain the earth and bear up its pillars, or light the lamps of heaven, or rule the waves of the ever-moving ocean. But when God ascends his throne, his creatures then gnash their teeth, and when we proclaim an enthroned God and his right to do as, his, as he wills with his own, to dispose of his creatures, and he thinks well without consulting them in the matter. Then it is that we are ridiculed, and then it is that man turn a deaf ear to us. For God on his own throne is not the God they love. They love him anywhere better than they do when, when he sits with his scepter and hand and his crown upon his head. All right, Andy, so Spurgeon's pulling this from Matthew chapter 20, verses 15 through 16. It is, not, is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last, for many be called, but few are chosen. He specifically is concentrating on the first part. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Meaning that what I do on my own, is there any consequences to it? Who's in control over me? Is there a ruling body or a ruling governing over me? And ultimately, for everyone, believer or unbeliever, that is God. That's the sovereignty of God. If we take it by definition, biblical teaching that the God possesses all power and is the ruler of all things. We can draw this from Psalms chapter 135, verse number 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that he in heaven and in earth in the seas and all the deep places. He owns everything. We even look at Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 35. And at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What does it thou? You see, God is in control of everything. The land, the seas, the air. Well, that brings up a good question about every ruler. So if we look here, God rules the works according to his eternal purpose, even though events that seem to contradict or oppose his rule. Even if there's a person that is against him, God is still ruler over him and will win, will, will eliminate that person. God is in ultimate control, and we have to realize that, that no matter what, the money that flows through, God's in control. The weather that flows through, God's in control. He's in control of climate control. He's in control of everything. He's in control of situations that are happening in this world during the time or past or present or future. He is, he is in control and always will be in control. And we take it to another part that people like the money, people like the earth, people like the life, but they will not place him on that throne. They won't give him that ultimate acknowledgement that he is the king of king and the Lord of lords. He is the ultimate one in control. 
because people do not want to give up that flesh. They don't want to give up that control knowing that they don't have the control that God ultimately has it. So it brings us to this point that Spurgeon's making upon to us to think about this. Do you have to think twice before addressing Jesus as Lord? Judas could never bring himself to do it. The other disciples could say, Lord. And I started thinking about this. I looked at the different verses in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 22. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? They called him Lord. The disciples did. But if we look here, the disciples had the acknowledgement of calling Jesus Christ Lord. But Judas, on the other hand, could only say rabbi, master, or teacher. We go to Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Judas couldn't even bring the acknowledgement to call him Lord, to call him Savior. And that's the way the people are today. They will, they will accept everything that God has for them, but they won't, they won't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They won't say Lord. They will not accept him. It's a struggle. It's a complete struggle. But there is a part of that flesh that's right there, a part of that life that they don't, or that pride that they don't want to give up. It's a tough thing for us to dwell with. What do you think, Andy? I think you're addressing the sovereignty of God, as we've been addressing. You could also address why people deny the sovereignty of God. And I think that's an interesting topic to kind of look into. If you don't have to address, or if you don't have to believe in the sovereignty of God, that gives you or the government, there's only really only two choices, you or the governing body over you, that could be your family, that could be, you know, the head of government, uh, you know, as in Congress or the presidency, over what is right and what is wrong, okay? Think about it this way. If there is no God and there is no sovereignty in God, then you don't have to believe anything that the Bible says, you know, just take it a little bit broader. You don't have to believe anything the Quran says, the Book of Mormon, you know, the, the rosary, anything that any religious or holy book, you know, has said or stated. You don't have to believe any of that. You make your own rules and you give yourself the power to judge what is right and wrong. Now, you might think, okay, that's, that's not necessarily a bad idea. You know, mo for the most part, people are good. You know, you know, those that aren't good are readily dealt with for the most part. But I, I would say you need to step back and think about that. Because if there's no sovereignty to direct what is right and wrong, then who's to say that if I myself say, well, rape's right, incest's right, murder's right, robbery's right, corruption is right. I'm saying that. I choose right and wrong for myself, and I say all those things are right. Well, then you could say, well, the government says what's right and wrong. Okay, well, let's take, you know, let's take uh, Hitler. Let's take World War II. He claimed to be a Christian uh, for the, like, 1935 to 1939 is when he claimed to be a Christian. After that, he mysteriously talked about it less and less. That's because he was, he was following from what I've read and what I've uh, uh, 
been studying, he was following the Nordic gods, uh, the ancient Nordic gods, which essentially was occultic teaching um, that believed that there was no sovereignty, that you felt things and then you pursued them. He believed he was as a god. Okay, so he determined what was You're right and wrong. About I'm talking about Adolf Hitler. Okay. He determined what was right and wrong. And he determined that Jews were wrong. That anyone who is not of Aryan descent, okay, that would be Hispanics, that would be Africans, that would be uh, anyone in Alaska, just about anyone in America, just about anyone not born in Germany, were bad people and should be destroyed, okay? So he was the government. It, Essentially, Adolf Hitler was the government, and he said that the Jews were bad, that the Jews should be killed, that the Jews should be exterminated, that they should be uh, driven out of Germany. And then, you know, when driving them out of Germany wasn't enough, that killing them all over the world should be what happened. Well, then you say, okay, well, that's an isolated incident. Well, let's talk about Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin claimed to be an atheist till he died. On his deathbed, his daughter said, it, it, as a witness, he said the last act he had in life was to raise his hand towards God and with a grimace of anger raised his hand towards God and died. Okay? Joseph Stalin killed millions of people. His own people. Not necessarily for religion. Not necessarily for treason. Just because they were there. Okay? He personally signed the death warrants. Personally. His personal signature signed the death warrants of hundreds of thousands of Russians. And tell me... Okay, or tell anyone after looking at that that the government is not capable of doing something that is morally wrong to a higher power. So we have to come to the conclusion that if man can't choose what is right and wrong, and that if a collective of men and women or women can, can't choose what is right and wrong, that they are morally infallible, that they are not morally consistent one with each other, then that means that there is some higher power. And... If you choose to believe that it's a holy lie and that we should believe in a holy lie for the sake of cultural consistency and choosing what is right and wrong, well, okay, we can have a discussion about that later. But now that you're, now you're at least admitting the fact that there is some semblance of holiness, that there is some semblance of sovereignty. And if there is some semblance of sovereignty, then there must be some semblance of right and wrong for everyone. Okay? And we can discuss... You know, whether right and wrong for everyone and moral, moral consistency and, you know, what is right and wrong. We can discuss whether, you know, that's Jesus and, you know, the Bible and a Christian perspective on what is right and wrong. Because there's plenty of other perspectives, you know, Muslims or Mormons or, or, or Catholics to, you know, to name a few of what is right and wrong. Okay, that's a discussion we can have later. But, but now we're into the discussion of there is some sovereignty somewhere. And that sovereignty is what we should be obeying. And, and that is Jesus Christ. Okay. So, and you brought up a good point. Why would someone put all their faith into a government or a collective group of people? Because you just illustrated a span of 60 to 80 years of it changing. I promise you this, listeners, that our God, the God of Jesus Christ, has not changed. Because he created the world to now till the until the end, he is ultimately at the throne in heaven. Ultimately, and it doesn't change. The amazing thing is, I can show you the Bible a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand years ago, 
and it's still the same. I can show you 6,500 years ago, and during, uh, during Moses' time, or, or even Noah's time, <laughs> get my facts right, or Adam and Eve's time, God was still in control. All throughout time, God has ruled and been in control. But like you illustrated, just the last 60 to 80 years, how much it's changed. And when, you know, especially when it, people put their focus and their faith upon man or a collective group of men or women or a government, to be more specific, that changes. Why would, and I want to end it with this, and I ask this as a, as a question to the audience, why would you want to put your faith into something not consistent? Because then your opinion changes. And therefore, I could tell you, you're not consistent. Put your faith in God. Put your trust in God. And a lot of things will be less inconsistent in your life. I mean, you're still going to wear black or white socks. But I mean, besides that, as long as you know that God's in control. And so that's what we want to end with you today. And uh, we want to say thank you. For listening to the podcast and if you have time please share this podcast click the share button at the bottom and uh, share the podcast to as many friends and families and families that you know strangers share it to them just start adding names into facebook and just start sending them the podcast no big deal and also we like you to visit uh, faithbaptisteltpaso.org we have a lot of different tools there online for you to look at we also have our online services if you don't belong to a church always go to your church first but if you're looking for a church we do stream online 11 o'clock on sunday 11 o'clock in the morning for my night owls 11 o'clock in the morning on sunday 6 30 on sunday evening and wednesday at 7 30 p.m all those times are mountain standard time so please coordinate your clocks to that and we're on facebook at faith el paso that's our facebook and also our faith life a lot of people ask me about the faith life and faith life is basically a private online community basically it's a virtual church where we get to fellowship participate do prayer lists uh, bible studies edify and enrich each other that's at faithlife.com forward slash faith el paso we also do have a bible study also if you would like to give to this ministry go to faith baptisteltpaso.org forward slash give that's faithbaptisteltpaso.org forward slash give and to give to this ministry faith baptist church have a good day